Welcome back to Atlantic Baptist Stories. Today you'll be hearing from Mark Archibald, who is the former pastor of youth and family at Nashwaxis Baptist Church, currently serving at First Baptist Lethbridge in Western Canada. Mark shares some of his experience working with youth in Atlantic Canada and describes significant changes and issues he sees them facing. He talks about some of the directions he sees churches taking in regards to women in leadership, diversity, and reconciliation with Indigenous peoples. My name is Mark Archibald. Currently, I'm the pastor of spiritual formation at First Baptist Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. And prior to that, I was the pastor to youth and families at Nashwaxis Baptist Church in Fredericton. So the church that I grew up in from birth, my parents, uh, Reggie Marilyn Archibald, attended uh, Bridgewater United Baptist Church in Bridgewater, Nova Scotia. And that's the church I was born into. And so I grew up through nursery and Sunday school in that church up until about I was in grade three. And we moved to a different church. So I remember, I mean, this was when Sunday school, this was the 80s. So Sunday school was in its heyday. And I remember um, being in like the big open session of Sunday school. And I remember the room just being packed. And I remember it just being noisy and chaotic when something wasn't going on. It was just loud and it was great. Uh, in terms of the building, I'm not even sure if the building is still standing now. They have a new building in a different location, but the old building was very big and old and traditional. It was always a great, exciting thing to be able to sit up in the balcony because we had one. And it was very formal, like the organ would play and out of the back room, the some maybe some deacons and the pastor would come out and they'd be wearing robes. Uh, the choir would come out at a specific time. And I always remember there was there was something we always sang after offering like every single time and it was one of those songs where the voices would get louder than usual and the song ended with world without end amen amen and it was it was yeah so there was a a very robust sense of community there, whether it was from the old timers that loved old hymns, uh, singing them as loud as they could, or the energy of the uh, of the Sunday school program. So a lot of the memories I have there are very vibrant memories, like even the ones that are very traditional. Um, it just seemed like a place that was very alive uh, at the time. And so that was my, my first experience was with the, the Convention of Atlantic Baptist Churches. Uh, and I even went to, actually, I went to Atlantic Baptist College to check it out when I was looking at universities. So I didn't even check that out then. And I knew that was a big deal among those churches. So I didn't do what my peers often did in the Atlantic provinces. I didn't do the Crandall University Acadia Divinity College route. I went to Prairie Bible College out in Alberta, and I went to Tyndale Seminary in Toronto. Uh, and then following Tyndale Seminary in Toronto, I ended up back in uh, the Atlantic Baptist Churches again and was working at Nashwaxis Baptist Church. Um, my experience with the Canadian Baptists of Atlantic Canada was really good. Um, and I really was looking for that same sort of experience out West. Uh, we did a lot of things together as youth workers from the Canadian Baptist denominations, whether it was uh, Canadian Baptist of Ontario, Quebec, or Western Canada, or Atlantic Canada. Every couple of years, we would do some sort of retreat for youth leaders and youth pastors. And quite often, they were hosted in uh, Quebec. 
And so through that, I got to meet a number of people uh, from the Canadian Baptists of Ontario and Quebec, and also from Western Canada. One of the things that's always been really robust about the Canadian Baptist of Atlantic Canada has been the ability of churches to fellowship and be connected to one another. So one of the things that I valued the very most was we weren't the only Canadian Baptist church in Fredericton, the one that I was part of when I worked there. There was a number of Canadian Baptist churches. There's pretty close to 20 Canadian Baptist of Atlantic Canada churches in and around Fredericton. And so that made for a great network. The closeness of the Atlantic provinces to one another also made annual events very, very possible. And so whenever Oasis came up every summer, that would be something you'd always go to because it was, you'd almost have to be intentional about not going, right? It's, you're you're so close, like within Fredericton, the places that we went tended to be at Mount Allison University or Acadia or uh, at Crandall University. And all those were such close proximity where we lived that it just made sense to go. In terms of Oasis, that was also our annual business meeting. Uh, And it was well done in a way that they made it so much more than a business meeting. Uh, People were getting together for business anyway. And so they were very intentional about who they had leading worship for the worship sessions and who they had as speakers. And so I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure there's people that love the business part. But I think my I would think more people like myself would just kind of get through the business part to get to the other stuff, right? The fellowship part and the uh, the hearing of teaching and that sort of thing. So, it, and it was, it, it was like a family read. It really was like a family read when we got together um, because you were able to catch up. Um, in terms of those denominational events, I think the biggest one for me would have been Tidal Impact. Tidal Impact was huge. Uh, And as a youth worker, uh, one of my priorities was always to get the youth that were in my ministry into practical opportunities for ministry. And Tidal Impact was exceptional at making that happen. Uh, One of my favorite times of doing this, we got to host a couple of times in Fredericton when I was there. Uh, The last time we did it, we did it with uh, an Anglican church that was across the street from us. And we had three churches join us from Nova Scotia. So all the girls stayed at, uh, at our church at Nashwixis and all the guys stayed at the Anglican church. And it was just an excellent time for those kids to get to know each other, to share in ministry together, to introduce kids from outside to our city and hopefully show kids from within inside the city, uh, different opportunities to connect very quickly. When I moved to Fredericton, I got involved with Green Hill Lake Camp because it was our denominational camp. Uh, our church was already big supporters at Nashwaxis of Green Hill Lake Camp. We sent a lot of kids there. Uh, a lot of our teenagers became staff there. And so Green Hill Lake Camp was an extension of the ministry of Nashwaxis Baptist Church and of a number. I'm not sure how many Baptist churches we were, the, the camp was connected to. But that was huge. Um, I, I think that's also the case out in Western Canada, but I think there's something a bit different about it in Atlantic Canada. Again, the proximity issue and the number of churches that are there, uh, the number of youth ministries and youth pastors that can connect to that sort of ministry is, is very significant. And a real hub of ministry for us was, was Green Hill Lake Camp. Um, there was... I think about four or five youth groups that we 
joined with them. We were, we were one of the four or five youth groups that did a lot of things together. And so there was uh, ourselves, Douglas Baptist church. And I think two of the Anglican churches in town, we would do a lot of our retreat events together. And, and quite often that was at Green Hill Lake camp. And so that ability to be, to have a camp within about a half hour from the city that we can get to easily, that we can spend a whole lot of time at together, that really helped us develop our own youth ministry quickly. And then to have that as a summer resource um, was, was just magnificent. And so the camp ministry model that I find in Atlanta, Canada, especially in my experience with Green Hill Lake Camp was, was just massive. Uh, and so uh, for the 10 years, roughly, that I was in Atlantic Canada um, as a youth pastor, uh, I was very involved with Green Hill Lake Camp, whether speaking in the summer or whether on the board or a variety of other capacities. And then, of course, we were there several times a year with our youth at youth events. The youth that I had um, involved in my ministry, the young adults I had involved in my ministry, that was a huge place for them to grow in leadership and grow in work experience and grow in relationships. So a lot has certainly changed. I mean, I started in 2002 and you would kind of use your computer sometimes to do work. And now it's an appendage um, in terms of whether it's on your cell phone or like, like I spent so much time uh, connecting with people through my computer. Um, And that wasn't the case then. And so the um, onslaught of technology has changed a lot of dynamics for kids in the time that I've been there. Um, One of the things I think that was happening at the time, but is still ongoing is the continued fracturing of intergenerational communication and contact. Um, When I was growing up in elementary school, I think I knew one kid in my whole elementary school that was divorced at the time. And now a lot of kids have very fractured families or or single parent families uh, that are are really excellent families, but there seems to be less and less intergenerational connection. And so I think that's an ongoing thing that is very bad for all generations involved. It's not just like, Oh, that's too bad for the youth. It is, but it's very bad for all generations involved when we're, we're disconnected from one another. Uh, and so as everything from technology to uh, the advance of technology makes things change faster, which makes um, the gap between younger generations and older generations massive uh, things that that are issues for either generation to the other seems like it shouldn't be an issue. And it's just that things have changed so rapidly between the two while there's also, there's a disconnect that's happening, but there's also a continued spreading apart. And so that's, that's been something that's always very concerning. So um, anything we can do to connect generations is, is huge uh, in our churches because we miss out on things on either side when we don't have that. Um, One thing I've noticed throughout my ministry Um, I mean, throughout my life, but also throughout ministry with youth and and children and young adults is uh, how we connect with LGBTQ uh, teenagers and then adults, uh, because there's a lot of people that I've known, whether they were um, people that worked at summer camp or people I've had as interns um, working in the summer when I was a youth and family pastor, or whether it was uh, youth that I had in youth group. Um, you know, we often had a very strong 
perspective on traditional sexual views. But then when those kids um, come out, then there's really no place that we have for them, right? There's, there's that, what, what's the Christian community for a kid that you've had in your youth group um, that, that comes out as LGBTQ? And so that's something that gives me great concern because I, just more and more, I, I just see the intersection so much more and more of those stories of the people in our churches experiencing this within our fam- their families and also experiencing this for themselves, um, and then what is that place for them? And so where, where is the place of worship, the place of connection, the place of discipleship, the place of community uh, and family? And it sort of feels like on, on both sides of that relationship, we don't know what to do with each other. And so those just dissolve and there's no moving forward from there. So that's that's something I, I just notice. I mean, that just feels so underneath, like so close to the surface for me all the time is the number of people I've encountered uh, that either in their family or personally uh, have that that's their identity. And so it's where do they fit? Where's their community? And when it, when you don't have a good means of integrating people, then it's at at best, you almost don't connect with each other anymore. And that's, there's gotta be a better way. There's gotta be something better than that. I noticed that there's a lot more women being called into ministry and going to seminary. Uh, But at the same time, while that was happening, there wasn't always a lot of places that would hire women. So, you know, we would have a lot of of women going to to seminary. And this, I think this is probably true both at Cary and at Acadia Divinity College. We'd have lots of women that were training for ministry, but when they get out for job opportunities, those are quite limited. So on both sides of the denomination, we say, yes, we do ordain women. But then when it comes down to the local church, those opportunities are far less available. I think that still is the case. I'm not sure a whole lot has shifted. Um, A lot of times people change their mind about women in ministry because they've actually been under the ministry of women. I think that's, that's quite often what happens, right? So maybe it's the person that is resistant to having women in ministry, but more people than not at their church are willing to have women in ministry and the person gets hired on in some kind of pastoral capacity. And that actually ends up changing their mind when they actually go through the process of observing someone care and minister that sometimes changes their mind more than any kind of scriptural argument does. Um, And so that that's changed some people's minds. So I think as there have been more women in ministry, I think that has caused more changes Um, when we have, when there's more intent on having speakers that are women and it's not that they're women that they're qualified to speak it's that they're qualified to speak but when people sit under that leadership a bit more frequently um, it makes them second guess their biases or their reasoning that they had before so yeah I do think there is some shift that is happening but it's very slow Uh, in terms of uh, culture people of color there's definitely i've experienced a lot more differences of culture here in lethbridge than i did in fredericton there certainly is some um diversity within fredericton i noticed that it was growing uh, when i was starting to leave uh, fredericton but there's still i know if we were to go back today to fredericton it would still 
we would still recognize that there is not the diversity in Fredericton that we would find out here in Lethbridge. Uh, there's always a need to be intentional there. Uh, sometimes I think we just make decisions out of convenience when it comes to who serves in what capacities at our churches. Uh, one of the things that's been really impressive uh, the longer we've lived in Alberta is the ways that the Canadian Baptism Atlantic Canada have really embraced um, Indigenous reconciliation. That's been huge. And the shameful part of it is um, you'll have people that are uh, Indigenous ministers that are doing the ministry of reconciliation and teaching people about what Indigenous culture is like and how that intersects with the church. Uh, There's far more embrace of that in Atlantic Canada than I do find in Alberta, and which is sad because Alberta has such a massive Indigenous population. Um, I know we had a, a speaker and presenter, uh, Cheryl Bear, come to our church and said that, I don't, I don't think she said, I think someone with her said that uh, there's not a lot of opportunities that she gets to speak and share within Alberta, which is really quite sad. But Atlantic Canada fully embraced and had uh, her come often and so that's that's been something that's been noticeable um something that i would love to see atlantic canada's influence happen more on the west in that way because uh, there is a definitely a major gap uh there in terms of, of care and and connection with indigenous people You can hear this full interview and all other interviews on our project website at acadiadiv.ca slash ACBAS. Get in touch with us there or via email to find out how you can contribute your story to the project.